Welcome to another podcast from Charity Chat. I am your host, Osman Mughal. Today's discussion is on the importance and benefits of mentoring. We'll touch on what exactly is mentoring and how does it differ from management? Why should individuals and organisations invest in it? What does a successful mentoring relationship look like? And how to overcome some of the challenges within a mentoring relationship? I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Mark Hughes. Mark is the founder of MCH Positive Impact, an organisation which aims to increase the positive impact of individuals and third sector organisations through staff development. Mark has 15 years of training and mentoring experience. Mark has also been the chief executive of an Aboriginal sports club, a management consultant at McKinsey and Company, a tutor at Oxford University, and a research scientist. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Um, mentoring can mean different things to different people. Um, can you please explain what mentoring is and what are the different types uh, and styles of mentoring? Sure. So. Mentoring for me is first and foremost a relationship and it's special because it's, well, it's a power-free relationship. The mentor gives of themselves, gives of their time and experience with no expectation of anything in return. Now we'll get on to the fact that they often do gain a great deal but I think it's that mindset that they are there to really help another individual that makes it special and, and power-free and really their, their only source of influence is driven by the perceived value the mentee feels that they are bringing and so that's what I think makes it distinct from management where management is quite directive um, whereas mentoring can be quite non-directive um, and with, ma- with management there is often a, a hierarchy there is a, a power dynamic with mentoring that, that that's not there yeah absolutely and do you think there are some similarities or some skills that can be applied to mentoring that you do learn from management oh absolutely I, I think the, the, so many people are attracted to mentoring for particular reasons to, to, to make a difference to an individual um, and for the mentee to, to, to tackle an issue but the intrinsic skills required from from mentoring such as listening asking really great questions um, using one's emotional intelligence, whether that's tuning into one's motivations, being empathetic, being self-aware, um, being self-regulated, are hugely beneficial in all areas of life. Why do you think it's important for individuals and organisations in particular to invest? So, for example, if you're a smaller organisation, you may say, I don't have the time or the capacity or the personnel to to devote a lot of time to mentoring. So why is that really critical for them to really get involved and invest in that? Mentoring's important because relationship's important. Um, I think there are very few things in life of any real value that are exclusively done totally alone. One's ideas, um, opportunities are generated through interactions with others. Um, that's, that's what sparks the, the ideas, the strategies, the opportunities. Um, and mentoring, as I've said, is, is a relationship. And it offers, particularly the mentee, that time to, to really think about things that matter. 
Um, and I think if you can improve not just your thinking time, but the quality of your thinking, and that's what the mentor does, helps him increase and improve the quality of a mentee's thinking, really special things can happen. So I think that's why perhaps organisations should be interested in it. Also practically, countless studies, research has shown that mentoring includes um, employee satisfaction, um, includes retention. So the Centre for Creative Leadership, um, a study that they did showed that I think it was 77% of organisations that invested in mentoring found that mentoring helped increase their retention and improve their retention. And it, and it can increase the positive impact of the organisation. A survey by the Institute of Management and Leadership showed that I think it was 95% of organisations that had invested in mentoring had seen not just a benefit to the individuals that were involved in the mentoring, but a benefit to the organisation. And I think while it does require an investment of, of time, um, if it's used well, it, the rewards can greatly outweigh that, that, that time. I mean, I, I think we, we need to spend time, but this is spending time really productively. So we've spoken about what mentoring actually is. Can you just speak to us a little bit about the different styles of mentoring? Sure. So, I mean, for me, mentoring is an umbrella term that can incorporate numerous different types of relationship. So it can include coaching, and that coaching can take the form of questioning the mentee in a way that helps them reach a resolution. It can also be coaching in the form of giving feedback so the mentee has the information they need to, to improve. And so that can very practically involve the mentee perhaps practicing a pitch or a key conversation in front of the mentor and then the mentor giving feedback on what they did well, what they could do more of, how it could be even better. Um, another relationship is advice. Um, it can be hugely valuable for the mentee if they're really struggling, just to ask, you know, what, what do you think? What would you do? Um, and used judiciously, that, again, can be hugely valuable. Um, there can also be facilitation. That's another relationship. So a very common um, thing that comes up in mentoring is perhaps the mentee is really struggling with their manager. So how do I manage up? And, you know, and how do I deal with you know, a manager that is just proving really difficult? And so by taking on a, a facilitator role, the mentor can perhaps just change the perspective a little bit along the lines of, well, yes, your, your manager could be intentionally difficult. They could be really trying to be destructive and nasty to you. But what else could it be? It, it could be that they're struggling as well. Yeah, that's very um, true. Because it's hard being a manager. <laughs> and it's even harder being a great manager. So you know, how could you perhaps help them by being easier to manage it. You know, what perhaps are you doing that's making it more difficult than it could be? So facilitation comes in, as does sometimes a little bit of instruction. There's certainly been mentoring relationships I've had where the most important thing has been to help my mentee edit their CV or help with a, you know, an actual picture, you know, a document that they have. So I have literally been helping them you know, reformat and, and, and adjust. So, you know, again, doing a little bit of the doing. Again, you need to use that judiciously, but if that is the most important thing at that time that's going to make the biggest difference in the mentee's life, well, it's certainly something that I would consider. And then again, I think there can be real value in just 
just sharing one's stories. So, you know, if the mentee has had an absolute nightmare pitch, you know, the mentor just sharing their own, you know, war stories of the things that went, you know, desperately wrong, but also, you know, the things that went really well and the lessons they've learned from both can really draw out some very, very valuable learnings. Um, and so I think it's that, that flexibility of relationship types that gives mentoring its value and that you can tap into many different types and so the mentee can therefore see things from multiple perspectives. And I think when you can see an issue from so many different perspectives, um, you often end up making much better decisions. What would your advice be to some organisations who haven't had a mentoring programme or some sort of uh, mentoring infrastructure within their organisations? What advice would you give them how to start that process? Because it can seem quite a daunting process to start. Yep. And where do you start from? So what advice would you give to them? Well, I think there's, there's, there's just a realisation that there are, are options. Uh, the first thing I'd say that, particularly for small organisations, do you really need to start a mentoring programme? Perhaps it's just a matter of um, encouraging their own staff to proactively look for mentors or mentees. Um, so they do that you know, individually and proactive, proactively. Or it can be tapping into existing um, mentoring programs. For example, the Institute of Fundraising has a, you know, a, a well-established mentoring program that it delivers in various parts of the UK. So rather than reinvent the wheel, there are existing programs. But if they do want to invest in uh, actually establishing a mentoring program, I suppose there's two things. I, I, the, the successful mentoring programs I've observed, evaluated, been involved with, have done, they've had two common characteristics. The first is that they've done the basics really well. And the second is they've really appreciated, because it's a relationship, the importance of rapport. So what do I mean by both those things? In terms of doing the intrinsics well, they've really invested time in the recruitment process so they've ensured that mentees are embarking on mentoring for the right reasons and by that I mean what they have in mind for their development is, is best suited to mentoring so to give a rather esoteric example let's say you have a mentee who wants to develop their Excel skills through mentoring now that's a very laudable goal to develop one's Excel skills, but it's probably not best served through mentoring. And I think they ensure that actually, you know, they, they are looking at other issues that lend it. And I think for the mentor, they make sure that the mentors, their intent is genuine. Again, they are there because they want to help another individual rather than because they've been told to develop their communication skills or because they want you know, some voluntary experience on their CV. So I think they recruit well, they induct well, so that both mentors and mentees, they know what mentoring is and when it's not. And there's that sharing understanding of the expectations for the programme. And I think also they really invest in the training of mentors. I think probably the biggest contributor to whether a programme is successful or not is the quality of the mentors. If you have great mentors, you're likely to have a great programme. But that does require investing in mentors so that they do have the skills to be great mentors. And the second aspect about ensuring and establishing the importance of rapport is that while on paper you may feel there is a, a really good match, perhaps a community fundraiser who wants to learn about community fundraising and then a, a very experienced community fundraiser, on paper that would make sense to match them, but that doesn't take into account rapport. 
So I think the good mentoring programs incorporating time just to meet one another so that mentees and mentors feel they have a choice in who they are mentored with. And that is built on actually having met them and really feeling that yes, this is somebody that not only can help me, but you know, I want to spend time with. Um, because certainly now, if it's, if it's voluntary, you know, there's no obligation for either party to, to be there. So you may as well enjoy it as well as hopefully develop from it. And I think the other aspect of bringing people together is that it allows mentors and mentees as, as peer groups to develop. And I think that can be hugely valuable as well. Just knowing enough people who are going through the process with you at the same time can be hugely helpful. I think it's a really interesting point you raised about not always being um, matched with a person who is in the same field as you. So mm -hmm. like you mentioned, community fundraiser or a trust fundraiser or within individual giving. Because while on paper that might seem an ideal match, in fact, you might learn skills or see things from a different point of view if you perhaps are matched with someone or paired with somebody who is outside what you work on because it Absolutely. gives you a different perspective of looking at different things and offers you different solutions yes. and that therefore kind of expands your knowledge of a particular subject. I think definitely. Um, and I think interestingly, having been involved, for example, in the Institute of Fundraising Mentoring Program, certainly when I'm speaking with both mentors and mentees, despite it being a, a fundraising mentoring program, often uh, fundraising isn't actually spoken about too often because actually that's the easy stuff and um, the really difficult things are things like well how do I manage up more effectively or how do I deal with a difficult peer or how do I engage the board in, in fundraising more and perhaps more of the fundamental questions such as well do I still want to be a fundraiser yes. or how do I transition from my current role to perhaps a director of fundraising it's, it's those really uh, profound questions that I think mentoring is really useful for and therefore matching based on purely on, on competence and expertise it can be limited. In your experience can you touch on a few examples of where you've seen mentoring relationships work really really well and any examples where you think you've seen areas where they could have improved on things the do's and don'ts of a yeah. mentoring relationship? Um, and this is where, again, going back to the theme of it's, you know, it's a relationship, it gets a bit messy, to be honest. I, you know, unfortunately, I can't give you a, an algorithm that you know, if you do this, this and this, lo and behold, your mentoring will be fantastic because we're dealing with individuals and um, you know, different individuals succeed in different ways. But I think there are probably a, a couple of ingredients that I've seen that are central to, to successful, all the successful relationships. Um, mentoring relationships I've seen that the first and it's I guess it, it's summarized by one of my favorite quotes um, I keep six honest serving men they taught me all I knew their names are what why and where and how and when and who and it's by the uh, playwright Roger Kipling and that, that quote really I think crystallizes what great mentors and mentees know they're very clear on why why are we here what do we want to achieve? How are we going to get there? When do we meet? Um, where's the best place for us to meet? And who else perhaps could get involved? Because while mentoring is generally a one-to-one -one relationship, there's no reason why perhaps the mentor can't be of huge service to the mentee by introducing them to somebody that does have a specialist knowledge or a, a, a particular insight. And so I think, yes, the, the best mentoring relationships, that's the key, is being, is being really clear on those, those W-type questions. 
And I think the second key ingredient that I see in all the successful mentoring relationships is trust. Really good mentoring relationships, both the mentor and the mentee, they invest in what I term the four keys to trust. They invest in being reliable to one another, so they promise what they're going to do and they do what they promise. They are open with one another, so they don't just give the yearbook, I'm fine, when they meet up. If they're not fine, they, they go beyond that. And that's hugely encouraged if there's acceptance between them. They realise that, yes, they won't always be perhaps on top form, but that's okay. They, they realise that there will be other stuff going on in life, but that's okay too. And then there's also a, a congruence. You know, they don't just talk the talk, but they also walk the walk. There is consistency between what they say and then what they do. And I think to a large extent, they're the two ingredients, being very clear on the W's, the why's, the who's, the what's, the where's, the when's, and the how's, and then investing in that trust. So how do you go about finding a key mentor or perhaps somebody who you can kind of support through that journey as well? How do you go about finding that? And does it have to be a rigid structured course? Or does it, can it be an informal basis? Because a lot of research that I've done shows that if it's done organically, sometimes those mentoring relationships are better, where there is trust, where there is acceptance. So can you just shed some light on that? Yeah, and, and again, it's probably there's, there's two ways that I see it. There is, if you like, the, 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 the informal, organic way of, of doing things where perhaps you observe someone who you, know, you really respect and you know they, they seem to be very capable at doing what they do and you, I suppose there's an admiration for what they do and you think that would be somebody that you could learn from and, and develop with and you simply ask them and I think that is you know, in, in simple terms that's, that's a great way to go and you know, a lot of people are very um, well, honoured to, to be asked and very receptive to being asked. And then the second route is the more formal structure approach. You apply to go on to a programme and if you're accepted you do go through a more structured approach. That, that absolutely ha has its benefits and that perhaps you know, there's greater choice of potential mentors. Um, and if you don't have anyone in mind yourself, well then there is a, a ready-made list of potential options. Again, there's no right or, or wrong way. Um, it's just a matter, I think, of being open to possibilities and realising, particularly if you could go down the, the, the formal route to, and be part of a programme, being open to the idea that the person that may be best for you will perhaps not have been the person that you thought originally would be the ideal mentor or mentee. And I think if you go down the informal route, it's about just being proactive. You're really keeping an eye out and investing in it, being not half-hearted but being really fully committed to it because if, if somebody who you've asked accepts, you know, they're giving of their time and so it's really important that you're committed to the process as well. Absolutely and I'm a, a mentor myself now. Um, last year I was a mentee and I've seen kind of both sides and I think that experience is really valuable because you understand the needs of a mentee and while every obviously every mentee is quite different you kind of understand some of the questions that might be asked yep. or some of the thoughts and questions that were in your mind perhaps last year um, it was for me anyway and as a mentor I can now um, understand um, be able to 
get that across to my mentee now and say I've had these issues problems before and you know and there's ways that you can overcome them and there's barriers that you can overcome and I think that what's quite important is that mentoring doesn't only help in your workplace it also helps outside of work so the more um, resilient you become the more you're able to deal with difficult situations whether that be in the workplace or outside the workplace I think it really builds a well-rounded individual and that's I think sometimes a lot of a lot of the research tends to be only focused on perhaps benefits of the workplace but having you know well-being and mental health are key issues at the moment talked about in the news quite often and I think in order to be a well-rounded individual um, and in order, in order to be productive in the workplace you need to be productive from all angles um, so it's really important from my point of view in terms of mentoring provides that the guidance and the overall picture of where you want to go in go in life in terms of what your career and it kind of allowed you to be more thoughtful for somebody from somebody like you said that you trust I think you've made some really, really valuable points there that the things that stand out is you know one of the best ways to become a great mentor is to be mentored yourself I think actually that can be a really great route and, and certainly it's one of the nicest things actually about some of the programs I've been involved with seeing Yes, people who have been mentees coming back to the programme, but this time as mentors, and I think there's a you know there's a lovely, um, well, development um, approach that, that that testifies to its value. So yeah, I, I think that's yeah a really good way to, to, to learn of the value of, of being a mentor is by being mentees yourself. But I think you're also right in terms of one of the, and I think this is I think one of the real special aspects of mentoring is that for me the scope of mentoring is the life of the mentee and I think mentoring really accepts that while we may like to compartmentalize life and that we have work over in here in this little box and then we have life outside of work over in this little box those boxes are very transparent and very porous and one does impact on the other and I think mentoring not just accepts that but embraces that and so things that can be on the agenda can be absolutely things that are outside of work and as long as that's agreed that that's a real priority for both for the mentee and the mentor is happy to to discuss that it provides an amazing forum to yes like you say just yeah develop as a person not just as a as a fundraiser something that i found quite interesting i was speaking to a colleague about mentoring and mentoring relationships and they said to me something quite interesting which was no matter how experienced you are you can always have a mentor so i think the general perception is perhaps if you're at a junior level perhaps you're more in need of a mentor um, that might be true that might not be um, in order to develop your skill set or your knowledge base but i think even some ceos or do have mentors um, within the sector without yeah. outside the sector and do you think that's quite important that no matter which level you're at you still need a mentor well, you still I, need I could agree speaker. more I, you know, mentoring is all about helping bring clarity where there's confusion helping you really work out and find answers to, to the key decisions and you know confusion doesn't stop after 40 or after 50 or after 60 all the important decisions in your life aren't made in your 20s 30s so as a result um, I think mentoring has huge value whatever age you are um, 
and can be of yeah, huge benefit at all stages of your career. Um, there's two that I'd like to touch on in particular. So obviously people entering the sector, um, sometimes it can be difficult to enter the sector or any sector, mm -hmm. if it's a non-profit sector or yep. private sector or public sector, because you don't have that experience. That doesn't mean that you don't have the potential, everyone has to start somewhere. Is that a, quite a, a key um, avenue in terms of to be a mentee in that, in that situation so you can learn from somebody who's already in the sector that you want to get into? Yeah. And perhaps the second one I'd like to touch on is about management. And obviously mentoring and management is different and we've distinguished that. But if you're in a non-manager position, trying to go into a manager position, trying to gain and develop people skills, um, people management skills, um, working uh, with you know, time management, organisational skills, all of the skills that emotional intelligence, which I know think is a really key thing. Mm -hmm. um, so does it help in those particular instances as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think, again, if you're trying to break into the sector, I would say that you're at the proverbial crossroads in your career. And mentoring is, I think, one of the best avenues to address those crossroads, to decide which way to go. And I think that's because for me, mentoring is an umbrella term that can encompass a number of different relationships. It can be coaching, and coaching can take the form of questioning in a way that helps the mentee reach a resolution for themselves, or it can be coaching in the form of, of giving feedback. So, you know, describing a situation and then the, the mentor feeds back what their view on, on that was. At the other end of the spectrum, there is advice. Sometimes the mentee really is not sure and it's incredibly valuable to be asked, well, you know, have you gone through something similar? If so, what worked for you? Sometimes there can be a bit of instruction, actually, you know, rolling up the sleeves and, and doing stuff. There's certainly been times when I've helped a mentee quite literally think about their CV and, and reformat it because that has been the most important thing for them to get a CV that they're proud of and that they do feel comfortable um, you know, sending to, to new organisations, new opportunities. There can be a bit of facilitation to mentoring. It may be difficult about moving into management but you know, think of the managers you know, what do they do that you don't? What don't they do that you do? Again, helping the mentee almost view the situation from a different perspective um, and then also also what I term the budgeting just sharing experiences often by giving similar equivalent examples can draw out just real golden nuggets of, of, of advice or real top tips and I think all those aspects the coaching the advice a bit of instruction a bit of facilitation a bit of just sharing your own experiences budgeting are all the types of perspective, the differing perspectives you need when you're making you know, really key decisions of you know, trying to move into a sector or trying to move into management. So yes, I, I absolutely think it's, it's useful in that. And on, on the second point, particularly in terms of that transition into management or in a leadership role, I think it's becoming increasingly accepted and clear now that whereas in the past perhaps you know, the best managers and the best leaders were the best because they knew um, what to do and knew the answers whereas I think that the best managers and leaders now and in the future will be the ones that ask the best questions and in order to do that you've really got to listen. And another favourite quote of mine is by uh, Stephen Covey when he says that 
most people do not listen with an intent to understand they listen with an intent to reply. But I think what mentoring really develops is that ability to really listen with an intent to truly understand the situation from another person's perspective. And once you've mastered that, it puts you in a very special minority of people, I think. And I think it then can distinguish you as a really great potential manager. So you've talked about you know, the key ingredients of being a successful or having a successful mentoring relationship. But in any relationship, sometimes it doesn't work out mm -hmm. and there are some challenges. Yep. So how do we deal with and confront those um, difficult situations um, head on? Um, the two examples I've really got is when there is a conflict of interest yep. um, or when other professional help is required. So the mentee is asking for help where you, you do not have the, the knowledge or the experience to deal with. Um, or the expertise, yep. so for example counselling, yep. becomes more of a counselling session rather than a mentoring relationship, so how, how do you deal with that quite directly and head on? So in terms of the conflict of interest, I think that really reiterates the importance of some sort of a, a induction, if it's a formal programme, or really just setting ground rules, um, so that both parties are, well first of all aware what do we mean by a conflict of interest and, and confidentiality and those you know, key ingredients for mentoring and then simply flagging it at, at the first chance. So, you know, as soon as you hear, let's say, that your mentee is, that your mentee's new manager is a friend of yours, well, that just needs to be declared. And then you agree as to whether any sort of discussion about their relationship with the manager is, is off limits because actually you can't be impartial because they're your good friend. So I think it's, with, with conflict of interest, it's, dare I say, relatively easy provided the induction process to the programme or the ground rules for any sort of informal mentoring has been established where we both know what it is and we will, you know, we have an obligation to, to declare it if it comes up. With counselling and you know, potentially consulting as well, because they're the other relationship types that can start to be at times blurred with mentoring. Again, I think that just reiterates the importance of mentor training, where the mentor can see the early warning signs and knows very clearly the distinction between mentoring and counselling and mentoring and consulting. And very briefly, for me, the distinction is with mentoring versus counselling, mentoring the focus is very much the future. You're helping the mentee in the future, whereas counselling is in large part about the past and how addressing the past can, can then help in, in the future. With mentoring, the, the primary focus is on development. And through that development process, you know, the mentee may well become more self-aware as to what they like and don't like, is that, yeah, we, we achieved that and it was really satisfying because of X. Or, although we achieved that, I, I don't feel as happy as I thought, and maybe that's because of Y. Whereas I think with counselling, it's, it's almost flipped insofar as the, the focus is becoming self-aware as to, well, why am I who I am? And why does that really get to me or, or fill me with dread? And through that self-awareness, then perhaps you're able to then perform and, and develop. So I think it's just being very clear if, if in the mentoring relationships you really do feel that you're spending a lot of time in, in the past and reflecting on the past, then again, it's, it's a matter of flagging it. The other aspect that can come up is, is consulting. I, I, it's certainly not unheard of where perhaps the manager of the mentee will ask their mentee to ask their mentor what the organisation should do in relation to a capital appeal or you know, a, a potential pitch to a, a high net worth individual. 
Um, and then it's again through hopefully the mentor's training, they just are able to, to see that and, and just check, well, first of all, are you asking me that because you also think it's the most important thing for our time together in, in your development or are you asking it because you've been asked by your manager to do so? If it's the latter, well, that's not in scope because I am a mentor to an individual. I am not a consultant, an advisor to an organization. Um, so I think it's, it's one of those, both aspects are, are easy when you know how. And the, the crucial part is though, is being trained so you know when to spot it and spot it early. And you set the expectations very clearly that while there may be real value for let's say the mentee exploring their past and finding out more about them as to you know, why they are who they are, that's just not something that they are, as a mentor, trained to do. But they might help them find a counsellor that can help them explore that. And again, in a consulting capacity, absolutely say there may be real value in you, you know, your organisation finding a consultant or advisor, but that's not something I could do because again, there'd be a massive conflict of interest there. I couldn't advise an organisation while still being a mentor to you because there could be issues where I wouldn't be able to serve both. How do you know that you're ready to become a mentor? It's a great question. It's one I haven't actually been asked before. And I'm afraid I don't have a good answer. And you know, I don't know whether you ever fully know that you are ready. I'm just thinking back, did I ever, did I ever you know, wake up one day and think, yeah, I'm ready to be a mentor now? I, I don't think I did. I think, I think the key things that you need to be in place to even consider being a mentor, you know, one is, I guess, practical and one is more, one's mindset practically do you have the time um, you know I think you need to be able to really commit you know, a significant amount of, of time on a regular basis and by that I mean you know at least do you have a couple of hours a month or so ballpark figure that you you know really feel that you have to, to utterly focus on another individual and then I think the the mindset of do you genuinely want to help you know perhaps based on your experience having perhaps endured quite a lot of blood sweat and tears to get where you are now do you have that mindset to really help another person hopefully you know lessen you know the blood sweat and tears and, and them their progression I think they're the, 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 the two key ingredients and I think a lot of people are hesitant because perhaps they don't feel they, they have the experience but in my in my experience I've found actually the experience piece it's probably the least important, actually. And there's certainly, I'm thinking, I can remember, you know, several mentoring relationships where the mentor has been far more junior than the actual mentee. You know, has been perhaps 10, 15 years younger, hasn't had the experience that the, the mentee has had. But because, and again, it comes back to that it's a relationship, because the rapport has been strong, because they've really developed, you know, a, a trusting relationship, uh, and there's respect there. It's, it's worked out really well. And again, I think it chimes with the, the different types of relationships mentoring can include. Um, if you're wanting somebody who does have a huge amount of experience because you do want their advice, and that's something, that are, and perhaps their instruction, then yes, experience may be more important, but you may be actually wanting, as a mentee, a, a, a more coaching-led mentoring relationship. And in which case, experience, doesn't 
matter as much as the mentor being able to ask just great insightful questions because that mix of advice coaching facilitation instruction buddying again there's no magic formula there's no we'll do 10 percent of advice and then 40 percent of coaching and, and so on and so forth it's different people have different appetites for that and so i think it's that's why it's all about finding the right there is no you know, archetypal best mentor it's just finding the best one for you given your situation and, and your preference for for learning you know i think one of the best ways of knowing which type of relationship to use within mentoring is simply to ask the mentee you know thanks for explaining the situation now there's a, a variety of ways we could approach this i could coach you or i could give you my my take on it or we could perhaps share experiences. So again, it's, it's part of, I think, being mentor, of mentoring is just trying to keep it as simple as possible by just asking which is best and sometimes challenging it because I know I've had mentoring relationships where perhaps a mentee has had a preference for just being advised. And so I perhaps have challenged that and say, well, I'm happy to give you my advice, but I think this could be a really useful issue for me to coach you on. Because I think you, know, we, you could perhaps gain clarity yourself without my advice and if you still want my advice after the coaching we can give you that I can give you that but for the time being what about about that so I think there can be um, you know, testing it um, but yes I think it, it largely comes from from experience but also just by by discussing it openly and again I think this is where the induction comes in where the the mentee knows that there are a variety of relationships available so does the mentor and so therefore they they have this common language and they discuss it as to what would be the best mix for, for them. When do you know when to kind of come, your relationship comes to an end? So usually on some structured programs, some of which we would discuss is usually a year, but some can be more, some can be a bit less. So how do you know, do you let it come to a natural conclusion or at the beginning do you say, you know, let's do this over a year, perhaps one every month, or do you take it as it comes how do you know because there has to be an end in sight there has to be a certain goal that you want to achieve by a certain set amount of months or, or don't you and, and again this is where you know the the right way is the the way that works best for the two individuals um, I think yes there is real value in, in upfront at least if not necessarily labeling it as an end point saying right in X months whether it's six months or 12 months we'll check in as to whether we still want to keep going or not. I mean, I think one of the most common ways that mentoring ends is um, when you transition from being a mentor and a mentee to simply friends or peers. And that's a lovely way that it does end. But I think you just need to acknowledge that, well, one of the relationships that's not in mentoring is friendship, um, because then it's, it's, a, it's a different dynamic. So that's often is just acknowledging, well, actually, yes, we are transitioning to, to one of, of, of friendship and peers, and that's great, but then that does mean that, yeah, mentoring has, in some ways, come to a, a very natural, nice conclusion. Other ways, and I think that, that you know when you've, it's perhaps come to an end, is when you've achieved the goal. Yeah. Again, if you have got, going back to the, the W questions, you're clear on the why, this is why we're here. If that has been achieved, well, then that's a natural prompt from, well, do we stay together for the, for the next? You know, big decision, big challenge, big goal that needs to be achieved, or is now a natural end point? I mean, if there's not an immediate natural next step, well, then it might be, well, let's pause for now, 
but then could I call you in a year's, two years time when I've got another issue and we, we, we take it from there. I think you know, a lot of formal programs do have indicative timeframes and that's, that's useful just to get into the mindset of, well, yes, there is an expectation, this is a significant chunk of time. And while it's important, I, I think some perspective is also needed in that sometimes the issue is time bound and the mentor provides huge value, huge service in maybe even two, three, four sessions. So it's, it is in some ways concluded in three or four months and that makes it no less valuable than a mentoring relationship that lasts 18 months or, or two years because that was just what the mentee needed at that time and that, that, that was enough. So I think it's, it's one of those things of just, again, it comes down to the importance of communication about a, a trusting relationship where both the mentor and the mentee feel that they can flag, well, it's now time. Particularly if things are, you know, they feel that they're not developing as they'd like, which is, it, it can happen. There can be a, a midlife dip where the signs are that you're perhaps not enjoying the mentoring sessions as much, you don't feel you develop. And again, the resolution is always by talking about it. You know, I, this is what I'm feeling, are you feeling the same? If so, well, you know, we can be adults about it. it is, does that mean that it's, it's got to the end point or is there anything that one of us or both of us needs to perhaps adjust in order to get us back on, back on track? What would be your main takeaways for listeners to think about or even action, whether that be individuals or organisations, so leaders that are listening to this yep. um, in organisations, what would be your advice to them and the key takeaways of how to get involved in mentoring? I think, you know, very simply, if you are already mentoring, whether it be as a mentor or a mentee, keep going and particularly I think there is real value on, on you know, repeating with multiple people, you know, so if you've had a great experience, we'll have another great experience. And if you haven't had a particularly positive experience first time around, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. It's, as I say, I come back to our relationship. Not all relationships work out. It doesn't mean to say that all relationships are therefore flawed. And if you haven't yet experienced mentoring, well, really give it a go as an individual. And if, if as an organisation, um, do have a think about and reflect upon just how valuable mentoring is. And I'd say it's not just my own anecdotal experience, there's significant bodies of research shows that it's an incredibly cost-effective way of you know, retaining great people, um, keeping them happy, and allowing them therefore to have a really positive impact within your organization. And sometimes it can be as little as just enabling mentoring to happen by saying, well, you know, encouraging key staff to, to find a mentor or a mentee and giving over, allowing them to, to do that mentoring within their working day, so allowing them two or three hours a month to do it. Other times it is um, tapping into really great mentoring programs that are already going on, so there's not the need to, to start from scratch and that's often with governing bodies, institutes such as the Institute of Fundraising have mentoring uh, programs. There's lots of other organisations that run mentoring programmes, so tap into them, um, give it a go. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Mark, and thank you very much for sharing your experiences with us today. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks thank very you. much for having me. Mark has touched on a range of 
salient topics, including the importance of having clear aims and objectives at the beginning of a mentoring relationship, and also being upfront and honest in order to get the most out of mentoring, whether that be for the mentor or mentee. We also learn about carefully choosing your mentor or mentee, and that they do not necessarily need to work in your discipline, and that no matter how experienced one is, you can always have a mentor to learn from. Mark also highlighted an Institute of Leadership and Management survey, which found that 96% of companies found mentoring to have had a positive impact on both the mentee and mentor, and 95% found it had a positive impact on the organisation as a whole. We also touched on the fact that mentoring improved job satisfaction, happiness and skills, while organisations often saw improvements in retention rates and performance. If you'd like further information, please check out our website, charitychat.org.uk. Also, please let us know what you thought of the podcast. We'd like to hear from our listeners and topics that you'd like us to cover here on Charity Chat in the future. That leads me to thank you, listener, and I'd like to thank our corporate sponsors. Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Madga Aksamit for designing our website, RR Yard Photography for photos on our website, and Forest of Falls that have been playing throughout the show and are playing us out now. That's it from me. Speak to you soon.